Welcome to Let's Unpack That. I'm Liana. I'm Brianna. I'm Chuck. And we're your friends navigating this complicated, messy, painful, and beautiful experience of life with you through human story and connection, starting with our own. You're safe here and we see you. So, let's unpack that. Now we're going to go into our favorite TA's life story. Thank you, Professor. <laughs> Clearly, your episode is going to have to come after mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm insulted. <laughs> okay. So it's Brianna's episode. Yes. She is the TA from Bri- No, from, from Liana's episode. Brianna and Liana. <laughs> Brianna and Liana. Matt's probably going to edit all this out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now, redo. For everyone okay, that missed how you and I know each other, do you want to go ahead and reintroduce? Yes. So, I know Bree through Chuck. I met Chuck through Hinge. And, I uh, thought it was Tinder. Or Tinder. No, was, or, I don't it know. Was it was Hinge. Uh-huh. It was a hmm. dating app. Uh-huh. One of them. One of them, yeah. And... Went out a few times and just built a really cool friendship and got to know Brie and she was skeptical at first. Yes. <laughs> Wasn't a fan. We had to win straight win away. Win her over. But then as soon as I met her, I was like, okay, yeah, she's fine. <laughs> and then I played a song at your wedding. You yeah. did. You did. How crazy. That went full circle. Totally <laughs> did. So um, we are... Telling our individual stories in brief, and so this particular episode is going through Bree's story. Okay, kind of like the same thing that Liana touched on. Um, I've been alive for 32 years, I've had a lot of experiences, so I'm not going to touch on everything, just, you know, the high points, a couple low points, and, you know, just giving you like a basic overview to where or how I got here today. So I'm originally from Indiana, which is a long ways away from Utah. Um, I've been in Utah for about a year now. Um, Moved here for Liana's ex-love interest, Chuck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was born and raised in a pretty small town in Indiana. Um, Unlike Charles C. and Liana, I didn't have a super strong, like, religious upbringing, Um, I grew up like kind of religious, but not in the sense, the same sense that they did. I was a non-denominational Christian. Um, we went to church on Sundays, like occasionally, but we missed church a lot. Mm -hmm. I actually played the drums in my church band for for a brief moment, um, that's one of those highs I was so talking like, about. You liked, you liked playing with sticks sometimes. Yeah. A little too far. That's a low. That's a low. Now it's a low. It was a high, now it's a low. Mm-hmm. I it tainted it, my though. memory. <laughs> and just like that. Oh, man. <laughs> I need a timeout. <laughs> I need to process this. So... Anyway, before I was rudely interrupted, <laughs> occasionally went to church on Sundays. Um, was very close to my family growing up. I grew up with two sisters, um, both my mom and dad. Uh, they're still married today. Um, I didn't experience, you know, a lot of religious trauma. I know our previous episodes have heavily weighed in on that, so this is going to kind of take a different turn. Uh, I. Lived in Indiana up until I was in high school. Um, Well, right after high school, I was 18, and then I moved to um, Tennessee with my oldest sister. Uh, We lived there for, or she lived there only for about a year, but I lived there for three. And it's um, in Tennessee that I had my first official, like, actual girlfriend. Okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. 
you skipped past one of my favorite stories. And what's that? So you need to go back. Okay, well, I came out in high school. That's a okay, good point yeah. to make. Go back <clears> to <throat> high school, kind of tell your story in high school, and then then get to Nashville. Okay, Professor. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I've upgraded. Confused. I've upgraded. <laughs> Telling me what to do. Yeah. So I know it's like so like common knowledge that I came out in high school. You guys have like a few years in. I've got you by what? A lot of years. A lot of years. A lot of years. So I came out. You're the elder gay. Here. You are the elder gay for sure. Am I younger than you though, or no? Are you younger than me? You 32? Yeah. When's your birthday? February. Okay, so I'm. She's no, older. you'll be 33. Yeah. Okay, so she's older. I am the baby gay. Yeah. No, well, you're the you're super the elder no, baby. Gay. Yeah, you're yes. the elder baby. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> the baby elder gay. Yeah. Are you guys following know. this? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Is anyone yeah. following this right now? Should we restart this? <laughs> no. Maybe. <laughs> so I did come out in high school. Um, around like 16 is when I had my first girlfriend. But me, or her and I were the only ones that knew about it. I wasn't fully out at that point. Um, I had dated guys, you know, like briefly, but not super interested in any of them. Uh, I dated a boy in high school for two years, my freshman and sophomore year. And then my first girlfriend uh, hit me like a train, (laughs) metaphorically. (laughs) And uh, Charles C. loves this story. So I was at a party, and it was actually my older sister's party. And this girl that I liked actually was dating my sister at the time. So kind of a weird turn of events. But my sister wasn't like super into her. Like I was definitely more into her than she was, you know. But you didn't know it yet. No, but I did think she was really pretty. Mm -hmm. Like I knew that like my sister didn't deserve her, you know. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Brittany's going to kill you. Brittany's totally going to kill me. But Brittany really didn't care, you know, like... Brittany wasn't super interested. Let's just put it that way. And we were at this party and I had had like probably like one smear off or something. But for, you know, a high schooler, that's a lot. So I was toasted (laughs) at this point. (laughs) And I remember she was in the bedroom with me and my sister was in there. This is what tells me that Brittany really did not care (laughs) about this person because she like, so the girl looked at me and she said, I think your sister is gay. And I said, no, there's like no way that I'm gay. I mean, I had a boyfriend. So wait, she said it to Brittany. Yeah, she said it to Brittany, not to me. And I said, no, I'm not gay. And then as soon as I said that, she kind of like pushed me onto the bed and then like leaned over top me and was kissing me. And I remember she like kissed me for a minute and then pulled, it wasn't a minute, it was more like probably five seconds, but felt like a minute pulled away from me and said, like, looked at me in the eye and said, yeah, you're definitely gay. And I said, no, I'm not. But inside, I was like, I am the gayest person that's ever existed. (laughs) (laughs) And so then that for me was like, kind of like my awakening, how you guys said that, like, you never felt anything for boys or like, didn't like have those sparks. And I hadn't felt that either. But I just thought that I was, you know, kind of like, picky like you guys said I wanted to focus on like friends or like sports and that kind of thing and didn't really just I didn't have time for boys but really it felt like being with a boy was like kissing a wall for me and then when I actually kissed her I felt all the things that I thought I was supposed to feel with boys that story was my when I wasn't dissociating from my feelings, <laughs> my dream like situation where it was like, I'm not the one acting on this. Right? No, I'm not the one that's like they're the ones that did it. Someone push yourself on me, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Help first... me explore this. <laughs> I can't say I never would have had the guts to do it, but I was so dissociated from it that I don't know that I would have been able to take the lead. So when I had my first kiss, the fact that that lead was taken, like, it opened, like, all the doors and windows. It, like, you know. But I wonder if you guys didn't have, like, religion as such a heavy influence, if you would have been able to kind of explore that earlier on. 
because I mean, that seems to be the so. seems yeah. to be the only difference. I didn't. I wasn't super religious. My family wasn't like super like, you know, gung ho and like. I don't. Know, I didn't feel that kind of pressure like you guys did. Did you ever notice attraction to women prior to that kiss? Most definitely, yes. So what were like? Because for My, Chuck and I, we were like. We were so dissociated. No, yeah, like I was... They, I just want to be like them. I yeah. just, like, think they're beautiful. I want to be around them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, so I have two stories. Um, the first one, I'll, I'll tell you. I was, like, probably 10 years old. My mom likes to tell this one. And we went to Hooters. It was, like, my dad's favorite restaurant. He swears it's because they have the best wings, which <laughs> sure I <why>. disagree. <laughs> but I remember, like, my mom... Um, she tells everyone this story that I told her that I wanted to work at Hooters and she thought that I just wanted to like look like these girls but I remember like every time I went in there thinking these girls were just like drop dead gorgeous and I really liked their outfits so it was like if I work here I get to spend time with them not mm-hmm. if I work here I get attention that was like the last like attention thing on my mind. From men, I wanted yeah. attention from the servers <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that to me, and I, I don't know, I remember in seventh grade, my reading teacher, um, Mrs. Smith, very like girl next door. She had like a bob haircut, like not anything like spectacular, but very like wholesome, pretty. And I remember every time she would call on me, I would turn like blood red, like so embarrassed with nothing to be embarrassed about. I just knew that her attention was on me. And she was looking at me, and it made me very, very uncomfortable. <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, this isn't normal. Like, I don't feel like anybody else feels weird when she typ- talks to him. Typical teacher crush. No, it really was. 100%. It really was. It was, like, the highlight of my day, but also, like, I, this ruined my day because she can tell that I'm embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, looking back now, I'm like, that's super sweet. Like, it's super cute. You're hot for teacher. <laughs> so with your situation and your family dynamic, obviously we had religion causing a little bit of a block for us. Religion and disappointment from family. Your family wasn't super supportive of the LGBTQ lifestyle in general. What made you feel you and your siblings feel safe enough to be able to explore that a little bit more in high school or not do what we did and dissociate from it. So like I said, I didn't have like religion influencing my sexuality. I feel like some family members would kind of hide behind that and use that as a reason. But I knew that they weren't, you know, super religious individuals so it almost seemed like a cover-up or like just like an excuse but I think it was more so just like socially I don't want to you know say names or tell you who these family members were but it was definitely frowned frowned upon and uh, one person in particular I remember them saying that my sister came out first and he, your younger sister yeah my youngest sister she came out when she was Uh, 15 so we're not even we're like a year and a half apart and I remember he told her that it was just for like attention like that she saw it on tv and she saw celebrities and like almost glamorized it and that's why she wanted to be like that and I remember shortly thereafter when like that didn't work that ploy didn't work he had said that the only women that claimed to be gay were women that weren't um, attractive enough to get a man. And mm-hmm. so it was like their last resort. Like only women will have them and that's why they choose that. And so, I mean, that alone is like super twisted mm-hmm. and like doesn't leave you with a good taste, like taste in your mouth. And so, I mean, you feel shame even in that. Like I didn't have the religious aspect, but I knew that like n- like my family members were not approving of it like they still like looked down on it and I didn't have like that people pleasing mentality you know to the same extent that the two of you did but I do feel like I I always wanted to be like the peacemaker of my family and I use like humor a lot to kind of like 
diffuse situations and you know my parents did fight a lot and I just wanted to always kind of be like you know like the light in the dark kind of person Mm -hmm. and I knew that doing something like dating a woman definitely would not would not you know help me accomplish that I'm I'm curious like without like the religious aspect have you had a conversation with your parents around like why they felt like that? I mean, <clears throat> so that's kind of been, I mean, we've dealt with the situation kind of more recently. Yeah. So Charles and I just got married um, this past July. So just a few months ago. And there was a situation where Charles C had um, posted something on Facebook. Um, not like you know, pointing anyone out. Actually, Charles, if you want to go ahead and explain your post, I don't want to speak for you, and then I'll take over from there. No, I mean, it was more just about, um, you know, wanting people at our wedding that, like, supported our marriage, and it it came tied to what was happening with Roe v. Wade um, and being worried that, like, our marriage wouldn't be legitimate in a little while um possibly you know taking away those rights you know who knows and so at that point I was like I just want people at our wedding that you know support us and our marriage and gay marriage and all of those things and so I posted something to that extent um it was tied to the Roe v. Wade, but it wasn't, it was more about gay marriage. And, uh, which yeah, if anything, up until that point, we had like, you've had a few like comments from some extended family members that were like disapproving yeah. of you coming out and things of that nature. So for me, I was like, if anyone was going to take offense to that or think that was directed at them, it would have been your extended family. Well, I, so back to my family, I was at work one night and ended up like getting a bunch of texts from Charles C. And I didn't, I hadn't read the posts that she had made yet because I was working. And I guess while I was working, all of this had transpired and my parents took that as like she was talking to them. Because it said, if you don't support gay marriage, don't come to my wedding. Well, my dad doesn't, you know, believe in gay marriage. He was going to come to our wedding. You know, he, he, I know he loves me, but he doesn't think that marriage should be between, uh, he thinks marriage should be between a man and a woman, not two women or two men. Well, and I think there was some confusion in thinking that it was tied more to the Roe v. Wade stuff too and so that made them think that if they didn't think the same way that I did about that topic that they also weren't welcome so it wasn't which wasn't the case at all yeah you know it was a very it got it was miscommunication (laughs) yeah definitely but yeah so I mean I feel like I don't know even now like it's hard to to get, you know, family members to fully understand and, like, be accepting to the level that you would, like, hope. And I don't know. I'm kind of to the point where I I don't feel like I want to be, like, just tolerated. I want to be accepted and to surround myself with people that, you know, love me for, like, who I actually am and not just love, like, you know, bits and pieces of me. And that was like a very, very hard conversation that I had to have with him. But there was religion tied to it. So part of the reason that they believed, well, not they. My mom is supportive of of gay marriage. But was because of what the Bible teaches. And so there was like religion tied to it. So they just weren't as like staunch with it per se yeah and I mean maybe not as religious as maybe our families but sure but took some of those beliefs and but the bible was still structuring world yeah. yeah essentially okay yeah and luckily you know with all that I mean it was really hard it was really hard for both Brianna and I 
Um, especially, you know, I didn't know that I was going to impact her family that way. Sure. And in some ways I think it was harder on Charlesy than it was for me because I, you know, almost was like, okay, well I've like dealt with this stuff before and I don't know, like her from an outside perspective, she almost took that on. Like it's my fault that they're not going to come now. Yeah. And I, I've dealt with that on my end, but not realizing the impact that like some, not realizing the impact that it can have on family members, but the, but a lot of it was tied to kind of the basic idea of what we've been through, just not as extreme, but it comes down to beliefs about gay marriage and beliefs about, um, you know, certain topics. And sure. luckily, you know, we found a way to kind of like come together and realize like, you know, I wanted them there and that wasn't meant, you know, for them or, or anyone really. I was just emotionally reacting to what had just happened and worried about you know gay marriage and the fact that you know we might not be something you know you either might not be able to get married or down the line it's not acknowledged as a real marriage and um yeah but luckily you know they came around I came around like we we tried to find a little bit of common ground and everything ended up being okay, which I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it all kind of came down to, I, I just kind of had a hard conversation and just said, you don't have to be pro gay marriage, but I think you should be pro your daughter because nothing like my kids could do nothing wrong or, you know, or nothing so serious that I would not come to their wedding, especially like just choosing like to marry the person that they love. I don't see any harm in that. And, you know, luckily that did soften their hearts a bit and they ended up coming and it wasn't awkward and we actually had a really good time. So, and our relationship has gotten a lot better since then. That's awesome. But her family's still impacted by religion to an extent with that stuff. It just wasn't to the extreme that we kind of went through. But what I'm wondering with everything, with you coming out and everything, um, you saw what happened to your younger sister, Brandy, when she came out. And Brittany was kind of exploring, you know, that's an interesting thing with Brianna is she has three, you know, there's three girls in her family. Each one is, you know, in the LGBTQ community. It's in some form or another. Um, she saw what happened with Bri- with Brandy when she came out. So for me, when I saw, and Liana, when we saw our si- first siblings come out, we had almost a visceral reaction to them coming out. Like, we're going to be the opposite of that even more so because of seeing where their life's going or you know, or what, for whatever reason we chose, we're going to dig our hills in even more. Mm -hmm. What made you think, okay, yeah, I don't like the reaction she got, but I'm still willing to explore this. So I was, mine was almost like jealousy. Like I felt like if they can like be brave and do that, like why can't I? Because I had already, you know, realized that I had same-sex attraction. I didn't go full force into it, but I definitely, like, tiptoed into it. My first girlfriend, I... It was just between her and I. Like, no one else knew. And I feel bad about it now, but I was on the um, cheerleading team, and she was a softball player. I know. You were on the softball team, too. You were living both lives. Yep, I was. (laughs) Yep, so... Hannah Montana. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So... Um, but I sat with the cheerleaders at lunch. That's what I'm getting to. And I will not say her name (laughs) just for her own privacy, but she would come up to my lunch table, um, every day and like talk to me. 
and a lot of my really close friends were on the cheerleading squad. And one of, I don't want to say best friend, she was a best friend because she kind of had to be. She was the person that you wanted to be friends with, otherwise she would make your life a living hell. So one of my best friends, um, I was sitting next to her and my you know, secret girlfriend comes up and is talking to me and we're kind of just like, you know, joking around back and forth. And as soon as my secret girlfriend walks away, my best friend says, uh, is she like in love with you or something? Like, why does she come over here every day? And I said, yeah, like probably like, like she's a lesbian <laughs> and then secretly like I am her lesbian lover. <laughs> and I was like way too embarrassed and like in the closet to ever admit that. Uh, and it wasn't until I was a senior that I would like claim to be bisexual. But yeah, I had a few like off and on again relationships in high school, but they were very like under wraps. And then in, as when I was a senior, I had like a girlfriend that I would actually like tell people about. So what made you feel comfortable enough to like say? I don't know. Bisexual? I don't know really what that was. Maybe it was just like I got more comfortable with myself, you know, within those couple of years where I was dating women. Because um, I was dating women, but then I would have like go back to my like first boyfriend and like date him for a little bit but that never like really stuck um I did like care about him he was the only guy that I really ever truly felt like I cared about in high school but I think it was more so like that image that I really liked he was like popular and he was a soccer player and I liked you know the the idea of that more so than the actual relationship but I, yeah, after high school, I is when I had my first actual, like, real, uh, what felt like an adult relationship, even though it was very toxic and, like, childlike in a lot of ways. And that was, like, a very, like, pivotal moment in my life because up until that point, I was like, okay, yeah, like, that's, I like women too, and like I just accept that about myself. And then after going through this very toxic relationship, I wanted to disassociate with being gay like as quickly as I could. Like I wanted to take that off and not have that be like my representation. I I wanted to be a mom, and I wanted like that, <clears throat> you know picture perfect like white picket fence kind of life and I knew that if I was in a relationship like that I would I would never have those things well one of the things you always say with it is if that's what being gay is I don't want to be gay yeah that's exactly how I felt and so then um I ended up we broke up we were together for like two and a half almost three years and I ended up moving back home and was spending time with, you know, friends and, you know, one of my best friends was dating uh, dating this guy. They were in a long-term relationship for about three years, and he was best friends with my now ex-husband and started, like, spending time with him, and <clears throat> I knew that he was, like, interested in me, and I wasn't in the best place. But I loved the idea of, like, having normalcy. And to me, that's, like, what he represented. He was perfect on paper. We had a great time together. He was really funny and, like, just, like, normal. And I wanted so badly to not ever feel the way I felt in my toxic relationship. And long story short, I we were just friends, but... You know, one thing led to another, and it was, you know, a night out, and I ended up getting pregnant with my son. And I knew that, you know, he cared about me, and, like, he made it known that he wanted more from me than just a friendship. And, I mean, I didn't know at the time if he was just doing the noble thing and wanted to be, you know, a stand-up guy and, you know be a dad and try to make something work with me I was like very upfront with him and honest about my like previous relationships and my sexuality 
And it was kind of, I mean, odd at the time, but he didn't really seem to care. He almost made it like, okay, I know that about you, and yet I still, like, want to choose you. Which in its own right was, like, kind of attractive to me. You know, at the time, I was like, okay, this person knows, like, something, like, that, you know, not everyone would be so willing to admit. Like, hey, yeah, like, I have only dated women, and... I mean, it almost seemed like, I mean, it was, it, it felt at the time like an accident. Like I, like my life is spiraling down and you are still saying like, okay, yeah, you're telling me these things, but I still like, I still like want you. Yeah. Like you still have the negative perception of me being gay and what that meant. And you meet someone that said, yeah, I don't care. Like you however you are I'll take it right. which I mean I, I do feel like that has like it's confusing for me but it also had to be confusing for him right like this person did like you know quote-unquote sleep with you like the part of them has to like you you know but I I did I did love him and I loved him straight away but more in a platonic way not in a romantic way like a, like and a I friend. thought that that would, you know, carry over or, I mean, you've mentioned it before with your ex. Like you thought maybe I'm just someone that like needs time to fall in love. And I love the person. And if I love him enough, maybe it'll turn into a romantic, you know, romantic type of love. And yeah. I kind I of was the, under. I love the idea. I really did love yeah. the idea from, you know, as for as long as I can remember people would ask what I want to be when I get older and I would always say a mom and in my like small-minded like immature young brain I was like the only way to get that is to be with a man and I <clears throat> kind of like fell into my lap I was like okay this accident this you know what I think is a mistake it could be like almost like my this could be my savior and I could have like that happy life that I've always wanted. So I, we didn't get like married or anything like that. Uh, Eli was gosh, like one and a half when Chris and I ended up getting married and like things were fine. We like, we got along great and he was like my best friend, but it gets to a point where like, Someone can be your best friend, but you need more than that. And I ended up having another child with him. And when my daughter was almost two, it's kind of like when the fog lifted, right? Like you have little kids and you almost feel like you're like under a rock. It's exhausting. You're not sleeping. You're almost just like in a survival mode. And then when your kids start getting older, you can actually, like, think clearly and you have, like, time. And it, like, so overwhelmingly, like, hit me in the face that, like, I'm not happy. Like, I love being a mom, but I miss what it feels like to actually, like, love someone and feel those romantic feelings. So, I mean him and I had had like open conversations throughout our relationship and he knew that I still identified mostly as like gay and I, you know, related way more to that than, you know, being straight or being with men. But we had to have a really hard conversation and I said, I know that you love me and I don't think that I will, I mean, I know that I will never love you the way that you love me and you deserve to feel that from someone. And I'm so sorry that I couldn't give that to you. But, I mean, I really did try. And, I mean, he knows that I really tried to, you know, to be that person for him. But you can't force yourself or put yourself into a box that you were never meant to fit into. Yep. We all can relate to that. <laughs> so if you guys need some water or something, go ahead and get a drink. That was a lot to take in. <laughs> So I think, you know, since since that moment, I mean, Chris in particular has been better than most people when it comes to dealing with 
you know, having to have, you know, his wife, I guess, come out again. Yeah. And then divorce and everything. He um, was more so, like, under, like, the, the belief that, like, okay, we owe it to our child. Like, you do love me, even though you don't know if, like, it's going to be the same type of love that you've experienced in the past. But we owe it to our child to try and make this work. Like, I don't want them in a broken family. And, you know, that was kind of, like, his, like, viewpoint and the way he kind of explained it. So what was that process of, like, deconstructing or coming apart like? I mean, I felt like I almost, I did have to, like, shed that part of me. It felt like, okay, I have to take this off to fit this life now. And that, it really was, like, a a weird deconstructing, but, like, the opposite way. So taking off being gay. Yeah. And trying to trying to fit the mold that I knew I needed to fit if I was going to live that type of life and so then straight yes so then was it like fine for lack of a better metaphor was it like pulling out your favorite old sweater like was it familiar no it felt very very foreign it felt very like I felt almost like I was shrunken again and that was like, very, very hard for me to endure. Like, not only was I like, okay, now you're going to be a mom, but now you have to try and, like, go back into the closet. And that was really, really hard for me. So, I mean, though, like, once you decided to step out of the marriage. Oh, when I came out Mm -hmm. of the marriage. Oh, yeah, that was, I mean, I, our divorce took a while to, um, like, completely go through it was like a year from we were separated for a year and then our divorce was finalized but I ended up meeting someone like shortly thereafter um, when we separated and got into a relationship probably quicker than I should have but when you're you know without those feelings and without like having you know those genuine like desires when you find that again you're almost like like needy like I I need to have that and you don't see other people's pain at that point so I do have desire but also the connection yeah that you're missing yeah so I do feel a lot of guilt in that uh but I yeah him and I have had a few conversations um surrounding you know our divorce and you know how I kind of moved on quickly he doesn't typically like to talk about it very much just because I think, you know, it's painful and hard for someone to relive. But he was way better than I probably would have been in that situation. So, yeah. He, I, Charles mean, and general, him are actually friends. So, <laughs> in general, I feel like, um, you know, just hearing other people's stories of, coming out of marriages to men in particular, you know, coming out of the closet, you have one of the best situations of anyone I've ever met. And that is in a lot due to Chris and his character. Um, I mean, it is to you as well, but the fact that you both have enough respect for each other to put the kids first and I mean not only put the kids first but you know when Chris interacts with our kids and my kids in particular he is genuine and kind and you know ask them about their sports ask them about their school ask them about their day and you can tell if that's a facade, know. you know, and he is like one of and the most genuine people I've ever met. Yeah. And he'll play with them. And he, I mean, to be able to do that and put yourself, you know, I try to think of putting myself in his shoes and, you know, I genuinely am in love with someone and I have a family with them. I can see why most have an opposite reaction 
where Chris, he's been able to... Almost leans into the pain of it and still maintains his character, which is really, really hard to do. Yeah, and uh, and in turn, he's created this space for his kids and for you and for me and for my kids that's really awesome. And not many families get to experience that. And I think that that is a big part of your story and your kid's story and I mean now my story and my kid's story and I'm I am grateful for the fact that you did choose someone like Chris you know for that journey and um and how he's treated me throughout all of this and how He's treated my kids, and man, if more people were like Chris, you know, all of this trauma that we've had to unpack on being part of, or being who we think everyone else kind of wants us to be, or trying to fit into this box that we don't fully fit into, if when we come out of it, people treated us the way that Chris treats. Still kind and gently and, you know... Not like you're a monster. <laughs> it would, it honestly, it would change the world. I mean, and I feel like even when I look at my kids and I see, like, how well-adjusted and, like, happy and, like, kind they are, I can only, you know, I mean, I, I give a lot of credit to Chris because he is a big part of the reason why my kids have adjusted and adapted to, you know, moving to Utah and you know they've they adjusted to our divorce and Chris and I have co-parented so well together that I I honestly don't think my kids were affected by Chris and I divorcing because we still parent parent the same way that we we did when we were married like the kids never saw any animosity between us we don't fight I still love Chris I I love Chris the same way that I loved him when we were married. And I I am forever going to be grateful for, you know, the person that Chris is. So, me too. Anywho, <laughs> mine's a very emotional episode. <laughs> so, I <clears throat> after my marriage with Chris, I was in a relationship for um 3 years with a, um, a woman and again, <laughs> kind of more so a, I don't know, it was, it was great in the beginning, but kind of evolved into a toxic relationship. I swear it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> After that transpired, I didn't go back into the closet again. Um, luckily I, I met Chuck so we were friends. Um, we were friends for a while. Um, Even during some of that process. Um, and one of my, you know, my first relationship, Brianna and I became friends. And Liana. Our I know, this is a trying diagram of friendship. It's all a little lesbian, <laughs> like, uh-huh. intertwined thing. But Brianna and I really were just friends. We were kind of like soundbirds. We were soundbirds. Singing each other's songs. Yeah. (laughs) We were sounding boards for each other's relationships. So, you know, I, it was kind of like having a long distance pen pal. It really was. Like, I felt like I knew her, but I didn't technically know her. So I could tell her things that I didn't want to tell anyone else. And I could vent about my relationship and, you know, she gave me advice and vice versa. Um, And then it seemed kind of like when my relationship was kind of like on the fritz, hers was as well. And it was like an ebb and flow. When she was good, I was good. It was like very weird. weird. Yeah, we had weird similarities throughout all that. But I mean, literally to the point where she broke up with her you know girlfriend at the time and I broke things off with the girl but we didn't know it we didn't know it at the the exact same day and we spoke to each other that night or the next day and Uh we're like what I know it was fate (laughs) it was fate folks (laughs) 
And that was the first time that things kind felt of... Felt like they could turn maybe into something. Yeah, where we started to, like, flirt a little. I mean, right. both of us were more, you know, in a position where we could. But I did yeah. make the first move. Like, I was the one that kind of opened <laughs> that door. And I don't feel like it was reciprocated in okay. the way that I wanted. Uh-huh. But, I mean, she had her eyes on the professor. No, so no. It's like, <laughs> no. Understandable. So I, I was the one who, like, like gave her, every, you know, pushed she it all. I said, yes, I said it completely to try misled. to bait her into Like, maybe I didn't read felt. this situation right. <laughs> oh, but was... she said something along the lines of, like, what if, like, the person you're meant to be with lives, like, on the other side of the country? And, you know, what if they have kids and <laughs> I have kids? And we can just never make it work. What an analogy. You know? Then what? She's like, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so then I was like, okay, I feel like this is my time to shine. So I, I remember where I was at. I was at the doctor getting ready to go into the doctor's office. And I was in the parking lot. And I, like, wrote this text message and then erased it and then wrote it and, like, perfected it. And it said something... You just said K. It said, yeah. I said, all right. K, smiley face. I wondered that too. (laughs) No, I said something like, um, I, I feel like if we were in the same, at the, if we were in the same place at the same time, we would have really good chemistry with like a winking face or something. And I was like on pins and needles waiting for her response. Okay, but wait, and you she, have to know my side. You she have to know can my I just side. say what you said? I was she, dying. She came back and said, like, yeah, I do too. <laughs> I was like, weird. Okay, but I did I did that sly face emoji. You know, like the like the uh-huh. little smirk. I know, but yeah. I was like waiting yeah. for like so you know, I know that that's I do. like that's but I like, felt like it was like I expected, like, I've been waiting for this moment. Like, I felt all these feelings for you, and now I can I, finally express them. I couldn't them. play all my cards at once. Like, if I was like, oh, yeah, me too. Let's meet up. Like, yeah. you would have been like, I wanted her to be overzealous is no, what I wanted. No, you would have been turned off. So mm-hmm. I was like, so what I'm hearing cool. is who's the top and who's the bottom okay. is ambiguous. I am no. the top. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> the top set the scene. Oh, whatever. <laughs> You can let them think you're the top. That's okay, fine. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> so after that, um, we made plans to meet in Chicago. And after Chicago, we flew to each other about every 10 days. Yeah. So actually, the first time I ever met Charlesie, I picked her up at the airport and First thing she ever did was lean down and tie my shoe. Well, Brianna was like frazzled. It was She's the cutest to drive thing I've ever seen. Chicago's airport, and then she gets out of the car. It's and because her I shoe's was untied. waiting. I was waiting and waiting and waiting. So I was doing laps because they yell at you if you pull up and you park. Well, so it, then I had to keep doing laps, and I'm already nervous. So it's I'm like nervous. no one wants to be in the line at the airport. That's stressful. <laughs> and so then I'm like, okay, is this like a point where like. We kiss? Do we hug? Like, yeah, so then what? she's like, like tired shoe. We're to shoe. a point where we like almost had said we loved each other before we even met. And then we get in front of each other and we're like, I lesbian. forget how to talk or behave. <laughs> yeah, and so she's like kind of like avoiding me. I hugged her. Like, I hugged you. Like we, we, I think, I don't know if we had fully hugged We did yet. like the ass out hug. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> so know we, we did. And you were talking to like my friends yeah, you bring your all of your friends, time. though. There's, like, a – you had a whole montage <laughs> of people behind you. Of course it's uncomfortable. I don't know you fully, and I don't know these people behind you. So, yeah, I am the odd man out. I know. And then, so then I'm like, well, her shoe's untied. I should probably tie it for her. And then that's when so I, I knew that down, she was I the one. I got down on one knee. Yeah, initially. she did. Yeah. And I was like, this and is the one. <laughs> she speaks my love language. This is awkward. Just the way I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Made it as awkward as possible. Yeah. So we did the long distance thing for how many months? How many was that? Um, Technically. Because I met you in May. Probably five. Yeah. About five. And then I moved here in October, which we never thought was possible. Mm -mm. It was like the stars aligned. It really did feel like that because we thought with both of us having kids... And their dads in a certain place. Neither one of us is ever going to move. And we, there were like a few times where 
me mostly mm-hmm. was like logically this mm-hmm. isn't gonna happen yeah my and, little optimist over there yeah but then I, ca- <laughs> I came to my senses and I'm like you know what I'd rather at least try and know that we tried than to just give up now and just say whatever not gonna work yeah so I was like okay universe if it's meant to be open up the doors and and then Chris being the gem that he is I kind of spoke to him Mm -hmm. and told him that you know I I wanted to eventually like be in the same place that Charles was and he essentially said like I knew this was coming and he had already been looking into like Job. Well, I think we were engaged too yeah. when you had this conversation. He had been looking into job opportunities here in Utah, which is kind of crazy in and of itself. But the company he works for, they only have like five in the whole country, and one of the locations is here in Utah. So I do feel like the universe, I mean, I'm not a super spiritual person, but it seemed like doors just kept opening up for Charles C and I when I thought. There's no way these doors are ever going to unlock. Yeah, the odds were definitely stacked against us. So for it to be able to work out was pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, it was kind of amazing how it happened. But yeah, that's that's my story in a nutshell. It's your story and you're sticking to it. I'm sticking to it. And I'm not going back in the closet. I refuse. <laughs> you better not. Chuck's like, Phew. Yeah. <laughs> if no. you do, you get, you get some explaining to do. Yeah, right? <laughs> I don't know if I'll be as good as Chris. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's not a threatening Okay, so our, our questions then. What is one thing you uh, wish you knew when you were younger going through all this? Uh, I wish I would have been able to kind of look outside my current circumstances and realize like hey this may be a toxic relationship but that doesn't mean that all of them will be and that doesn't mean that the only way to have like a normal life is to be straight if I would have told myself that I probably would have saved myself and plenty of other people some heartache but you know then again I wouldn't have my kids and I wouldn't have like Chris and I hate to, like, think that, you know, that was at his expense, but I do think I, like, people are brought into your life for a reason, and I do think Chris and I were meant to cross paths, and I think that we were meant to have our children, and just because that doesn't mean, like, just because we're not together doesn't mean that it wasn't meant to be, you know? Yeah, I think that's a hard, um, a hard thing for anyone who's had kids especially, uh, is looking back, you wish that you could do things a little differently. And maybe, you know, maybe Liana can say, you know, from her perspective, not having kids, but looking back, you say, oh, I, I wish I would have known sooner. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, had I known, would I have my kids? No, you wouldn't. And, you know, so my, our journeys maybe have some struggles and they maybe caused some heartache and some pain and some things here and there but there's also beauty that came from it um especially in our you know when we talk about our kids and hopefully you know through what we've been through and how we try to navigate things hopefully our kids will recognize that in order for them to be here, we had to. I, I, had I don't to walk even, the road you walked, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like being human isn't linear. Yeah. It's messy, and we do the best with what we have at any given period in time, you know? Yeah. And knowing maybe that it's safe for them to <clears throat> have that journey, you know, whatever journey they need to take. But being able to take their true journey, whatever that looks like, without any worry that we're going to look at them a certain way or treat them a certain way if they do things that we're not approving of um, because of where we've been 
we're able to kind of navigate it a little differently for them. And hopefully that creates that safe space for them to have whatever journey they're supposed to take. If it looks like ours, then it looks like ours. If it looks different from ours, then it looks different from ours. Well, and to have them know too that like just because like their dads like weren't meant for us doesn't mean that they themselves weren't meant for us, right? Like you don't want your kids to ever think like, you know, was I a mistake or like did, you know, was I, you know, like not like wanted because that's like all I ever wanted. And yeah, it's hard to think that people had to get hurt in order you know, for them to kind of like be here. But I don't think that, you know, Chris would have it any other way. And I don't think that Warner would have it any other way to go back. Yeah. I think all of us can say we're grateful that we had our kids. We wish that some things wouldn't, we wouldn't have had to gone through some things to get there. But if that's the way that we had to go to get it, then we're grateful for it. All right, Liana, you want to do the the outer duction? The outer <laughs> <laughs> I'm right, going to go cry for a little late. while. It's getting late. <laughs> that was heavy, and I'm so sorry that was so heavy. For, no, it was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, like, all of I mean, us- it's so hard, though, to talk about some of that stuff because a lot of it, like, I mean, I don't know if I've ever talked about some of that and, like, being able to kind of, like, go through that so, like, outwardly with all of you that is, like in a way healing but also like having to relive it is like a little traumatic being vulnerable sucks i'm not good at that charles can tell you i am not good at being vulnerable so i i don't have the words Mm -hmm. that's unpacking and that's exactly what we're trying to do with the our podcast is well and i think that's something that's super important because like all of us come with our baggage around being vulnerable all of us have worked really hard to maintain a particular image image for whatever reason you know and, like, we've talked about it a couple different times, like, stories are messy, our stories are messy, and it sucks. But, like, we've been hurt in our stories, we've hurt other people, they've hurt us. But, like, big picture, like we were just saying, we wouldn't be where we're sitting, we wouldn't have what we have without every single step that we've gone through up until this point. So, like, how would you wish that away? You know? Exactly. The moral of the story is I am so happy that I met the professor. (laughs) (laughs) And I am grateful for you. Thank you. Same. I love that. We wouldn't be in this room all together. You are my favorite professor. Yes. (laughs) All through our journeys. Right? So, and I love you. wouldn't be the TA to the professor (laughs) had you not gone through it. Right. And I guess to not like sound super cliche, I feel like it's vulnerable and real to be like, roses aren't less beautiful because they have their thorns. Right. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And I mean, I've almost always like kind of felt a little bit of shame to be like, yeah, I came out in high school and then like crept back into the closet. Like, I don't know. To me, it always felt like. I don't know, like I was like less than or like or you're afraid down, you, or you felt like you maybe weren't gay enough or like almost. I made a mistake, you know, and it's hard yeah. to admit when you made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And so that was hard for me too for a long time. Yeah. But, but living and learning and growing and loving, right? Exactly. Okay, well, thanks for cruising this one with us. And uh, stick around for the next one. Thanks. The Let's Unpack That podcast is an ally and advocate for the LGBTQ plus community and is devoted to giving a voice and creating a safe space for individuals and families of the LGBTQ plus community. If you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide or self-harm, please seek help by calling the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or by calling 911. If you are under the age of 24 and need crisis intervention or suicide prevention, please call the 24 7 Trevor Project Hotline at 1-866-488-7386.
We'd love to hear your questions, stories, and ideas for episode topics. If you'd like to get a hold of the Les Unpack That podcast, please email us at lesunpackthatpodcast at gmail.com. That's les, L-E-Z, unpackthatpodcast at gmail.com. The Les Unpack That podcast is produced by Charles C. Trabert, Brianna Marganti, and Liana Manabog. The Les Unpack That theme song was written and recorded by Matthew Davies. Mixing and editing was done by Matthew Davies. Bye.